This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got drama yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Still worried about that polar vortex time. I'm never going to quit talking about that time. Also, never going to quit talking about that uh, Keon Johnson dunk time. Credit Georgia for continuing to play basketball after Keon Johnson ended their program time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here late on a Thursday afternoon slash early on a Thursday evening on a rainy, rainy day here, a chilly rainy day here in the beautiful East Tennessee mountain town of Knoxville. Not just me on this podcast. In fact, we're going to go, uh, we're going to talk just a tiny, tiny bit about basketball at the beginning, but almost all of this podcast will be dedicated to football, Tennessee's search for some new football coaches, uh, Tennessee perhaps, perhaps losing uh, one of its best players to its biggest rival. Lots and lots of uh, football to discuss. So to do that, we're going to go down to the uh, undisclosed location, uh, now to the uh, undisclosed location, uh, plus plus two more it's Patrick Brown new father Patrick Brown whose sons I don't know if I've uh, if I've if I've d- told everybody that I'm going to do this publicly Pat but I think I've decided that I'm going to call your uh call your twins uh John and John Doe and Wando what do you think uh you can call them that that's not their real names and I will not reveal their real names because that's my business and nobody else's that's what I'm saying John Doe and Wando that's their names that's their names as far as the public is concerned, that's John Doe and Wando. But everybody doing all right? Yeah, everybody's doing good. It's uh, lots and lots. R- real detailed in, in update there from the uh, Brown House tonight. Hey, you know what? Hey, all, all, all we need to know, Pat, is that it's good. We don't need to know anything beyond that, just that it's good. And everything's good, and that's what we need to know. Uh, we got a lot of football to discuss on this episode, but first I just feel like we – we would be remiss if we didn't mention Keon Johnson throwing down uh, one of the three or four just absolutely most vicious dunks in Tennessee basketball history during last night's 89-81 to 81 win over Georgia. First off, that should have been a 20-point win, uh, but the final 10 minutes were disappointing. That's okay. Uh, they ended up hit, hitting eight of eight free throws in the final minute, did what they needed to do, no Eve Ponds, and they still won that game by eight points, so did the job there. But uh, Keon Johnson... Uh, poor uh, Tumani uh, Kamara for Georgia, um, six foot eight, six nine, sophomore, just got absolutely yammed on. I mean, just the kind of play that that in person, it, 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 
it actually made me angry that I wasn't there in person. I think that was the first time uh, that I got truly furious uh, at not being able to cover a game in person because Grant, obviously, as the beat writer, covers the games there in the arena since we only get one this season because of COVID. But uh, I just would have loved to have seen that in person because I've seen so many just absolutely vicious Tennessee dunks over the past 20 years, and that one's just got to be up there with any of them. Yeah, you know, we had this conversation a little bit. Obviously, they, they had a conversation during the broadcast as well um, that you know, I did get to watch the game. So I guess I was uh, watching it the same way you were. Yeah. Uh, I think I almost woke up one of the children uh, <laughs> with my reaction to, uh, to Keon, Tom Hawk and that, that guy. But, um, yeah, you know, we were having a discussion. Obviously, they, they brought up Admiral Schofield's dunk against Mississippi State, Jordan Bowden's, um, Wes in the – in the thread you brought up uh, in our work thread, you brought up Tyler Smith against Arkansas. Yeah. Dunked on the uh, seven footer. Yeah. Ron Slay as only Ron Slay can do brought up his own dunk on Twitter That's and true. tweeted at Jimmy Dykes, which is peak Ron Slay. Um, and, and we should say sources say a, a source close. Let's put it this way. A source very, very close to Jordan Bowden still believes Jordan Bowden's dunk is number one. Uh, all well, that was time. pretty nice. So the Bowden's play uh, at Vanderbilt, uh, you know, who's getting shorted in this though is Jordan McCray. Uh, the one if he the was one on of, Twitter, I'm not sure. I don't think he's in the NBA right now, but uh, he may, must have not been watching the game because he also would have interjected himself on Twitter being like, hey, hey, guys, uh, I had some pretty nice ones. I remember he dunked on like the entire state of Kansas. Yeah, uh, the, the Wichita. Game Wichita. <laughs> um, and then he also, I think, had a 360 in an SEC tournament, which an in-game 360 is is no joke. I know people will say, ah, oh, it's not a big deal. He was wide open. But, you know, to pull off in a game is – uh, you know that that's that's pretty legit. So yeah, and I'll go back. The only one that I that I that we've not mentioned yet, Assume New had a couple of really really big ones back in the day, and there was one I think it was against Florida, uh, El Grace Wilborn, who was just that's an, a throwback name, right? Yeah, there. I think he played around like what 01 to 04 or something uh, in that era, and, and he had just a couple of. I mean, he he was a just a you know solid player, kind of a rebound defense slam it kind of guy. Um, but he could absolutely fly. He was a Skywalker, and he had a couple. Uh, one that I remember that I think it was against Florida was just absolutely, absolutely vicious. So there have been some good ones along the way. Um, but I, I, we just, we just, we had to discuss that at first because uh, you know we we focused on basketball early in the week. Probably going to focus on basketball again later on um, in episodes, obviously, because there's a big one uh, at LSU on Saturday. Big game for Tennessee uh, against an LSU team that really likes to run, and now Tennessee likes to run too. So that's that's going to perhaps be an even more fun game. Plus, it's Will Wade, and everybody knows how much Tennessee fans love Will Wade. So that's going to be. Uh, should be, should be, knock on wood, a really, really fun game. But, Pat, on to the football. Plenty to, uh, plenty to discuss. Um, Tennessee, right now, uh, I should have looked this up right before we started, but still, uh, officially, Tennessee is only listing Josh Heupel as on the football staff right now, correct? Like, on the website, basically, he is, oh, Bug- yeah. he, he is Bugs Bunny coaching every position. And he's also playing every position because you look at the roster. You literally click on the roster. Like I have a bookmark on my uh, on my computer. It, it the 20, 2021 spring football roster on UTSports.com is blank except for Josh Heupel's bio. <laughs> That's yeah. the extent of it. Yeah. So so, so I don't know if they have any players right now either. I mean, officially. Well, they all went to Oklahoma, right? I mean, that's 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 where they all are. <laughs> too now. soon, too soon, Wes. That, where, where the wind comes sweeping down the plane. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, what we know right now, 
Tennessee is only right now listing Heupel as officially a coach, but there is more than that that we know. Clearly, Tennessee does not have a defensive coordinator yet. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Tennessee uh, went really, really hard after a position coach, Washington up there at Ohio State, did not work out. Um, but still looking at some other guys. We can talk about that later. But what do we know right now, Pat, about what this staff sort of looks like? Because there's a few names that, that we know and a few more that we think we know. Well, Wes, I think the uh, the final piece on the offensive side, I think, is in place. Uh, reportedly, uh, this this was uh, reported by Pete Thamel of, of Yahoo, Um shortly before we came on and started recording here that Jerry Mack, the uh, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Rice is going to be Tennessee's new running backs coach. Uh, I believe that's going to be the case. Uh, and, and if that is the case, and um, I don't have any reason to believe it's not true at this point, uh, that would be the final piece of, of the side uh, on the offensive side. Cause obviously Josh Heupel has brought several coaches up from UCF and, um, and those guys have been in town and working for uh, various lengths of time dating back to when Hype was hired. So uh, those coaches are Alex Golesh, who was um, UCF's tight ends coach and co-offensive coordinator. Remember uh, that, that Hype is going to call some plays. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, th- that's the, uh, you know, for all the thought of the defensive coordinator, all the talk about the defensive coordinator, or the offensive coordinator, it's going to be Hype. He's going to be the guy calling the plays. Um, Cody Burns, who, uh, was at Auburn and had just been hired at UCF is, is going to, uh, as the wide receivers coach, he's on the staff, uh, UCF's offensive line coach, Clint Ellerby, who was at Missouri, uh, is going to be on the staff. And then Joey Housel, um, who also was a quarterback at Oklahoma and was at UCF as well as going to, uh, as the quarterback's coach is also going to be on the staff. So if you're looking at it that way, all those positions on offense, if Matt, you know, with Matt coming on board, um, those are going to be filled and everything, so, you know, switched to the defense. And obviously there's been a lot of, uh, hand wringing, uh, you threw out a meme on Twitter about the defensive coordinator search. Um, a throwback, I don't say meme. it's dragged on throwback meme. Um, but it's still ongoing. Um, and it, and, uh, obviously the, the name of the week earlier in the week was, was Al Washington, the Ohio state linebackers mm-hmm. coach, uh, Ryan Callahan reported on Tuesday night that, that he had turned down Tennessee's overtures, uh, and Tennessee was, uh, from what I heard, was really forking out the uh, financial commitment in terms of yeah. uh, what they were going to pay out Washington. But uh, he's probably in line and going to get a raise and, and maybe some titles at, at Ohio State where uh, his dad played. He obviously is very close to Ryan Day. They played together at Boston College, coached together at Boston College. Um, and, and obviously Ohio State made uh, efforts to keep him and, and keep him in Columbus where he's from. So uh, that was the the big development most of the week. Uh, it seems to be now the, the 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 name of the day on Thursday is Casey Rogers, the Tampa Bay Bucks defensive line coach, who previously was the defensive coordinator with the Jets. Um, I believe there has been conversations there with Rogers in Tennessee. Uh, I don't know if if Tennessee's extended an offer to him at this point, um, as we sit here on Thursday evening. Um, but there is some, uh, I do think they are looking at him as a, as a candidate um, and, and there could be something there. And with Rogers, he hasn't been a, a college coach since 2002, um, but he is a, a, a Tennessee alum played for the Vols back uh, on, on Johnny majors teams at the end of the eighties and started the nineties um, <clears throat> and started coaching in college uh, around the turn of uh, around the 2000s, uh, and then has been in the NFL since 2003. He's been with the Cowboys, 
the Dolphins uh, as the defensive line coach, then was with the Jets um, for four seasons there as the defensive coordinator, and then with the Bucks. Um, but I think Rodgers is having to determine if he is getting an offer or if Tennessee does want him. Uh, is what does Rodgers want to do? Does he, does he want to come back to college where he's not coached in almost 20 years? Um, is being a coordinator and, and calling the defense enough to get him uh, back to his alma mater? Or, um, you know, he's coached – I was looking this up earlier this afternoon. I think he's coached with Todd Bowles, who's the, the Bucks defensive coordinator, was the, the, the head coach of the Jets when Rodgers was there. Those two guys have coached together for, I think, 13 years or something like that over the last uh, – <clears throat> excuse me, since Rodgers was – uh, or since he started his NFL coaching career. And so uh, if you're Todd Bowles, your, your stock's pretty high right now, right? You just won the Super Bowl and, and yeah. shut down the Chiefs. So uh, you're probably thinking another strong year, maybe I can get a head coaching job again. And if you're Casey Rogers, you're wondering, hey, I can stick around the NFL where I've been comfortable for uh, almost 20 years. And then if Todd gets a head coaching job, I can go be his defensive coordinator. So um, I, I think that's the situation with the defensive line coach there we've had questions about josh conklin on the board he obviously was at tennessee mm-hmm. um it's now the head coach at wofford would he be a guy that tennessee goes i don't know uh there was a report saying that Blake i like Baker I, I do at, like him as a coach though i like him as a coach yeah Con- conklin was i was really impressed with him when he was here at tennessee i thought he was really sharp as a coach and and i've not been totally surprised to see his career trajectory go as it what as it has where um, he, you know, was the defensive coordinator at FIU, then the defensive coordinator at Pitt. Now he's the head coach at Wofford, which is a pretty solid FCS mm-hmm. program uh, over there in, in South Carolina. So, um, the smallest, yeah, you know, divi- a, the smallest Division One, the smallest school that's a Division One coach or the Division One program anywhere in America. Fun fact: FC FC West ch- chiming in with the Wofford tidbits. There you go. Um, the uh, the other name that I got mentioned this week was uh, Blake Baker, who was at Miami and is mm-hmm. now the LSU linebackers coach. That was reported on. I think Tuesday night, we were told by uh, some sources that I think would know pretty good um, that there was nothing to that. So, uh, and I think maybe that getting out suggested that, I don't know, maybe Tennessee had moved on from out Washington. So um, that's where things are at. Uh, there were a couple names. Um, I think Brian Brown at Louisville was reported as a name, Todd Orlando at USC. There's been a few names that were uh, reported that um, Tennessee made some sort of overtures to. So um, yeah, and, and I've heard the one at Louisville may not have been um, may not have been serious. I don't know that I don't know how seriously Tennessee was invested in that one, but but we'll see. So yeah, but you know, at this point, uh, even covering it, it's like, and I know a lot of fans probably feel this way. It's like just end it at this point. Like find somebody, whoever it is, um, and 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 go that way. So. Uh, I, I think without Washington, it would have probably created an interesting situation because, I mean, he coached at Cincinnati with Willie Martinez, who was at UCF. Yep. Um, so you wonder if, you know, if Washington comes aboard, is, is Willie Martinez part of the staff? Um, there's a lot of talk about Rodney Garner being on the staff anyway, regardless of who the defensive coordinator is, if, if Tennessee could get him. Um, he's obviously been a thorn in Tennessee's side recruiting for Auburn over the past however many years. But, um, you know, for, for questions about Josh Heupel, can he get – big-time recruiters, can he get guys with SEC experience on his staff? If he could get Rodney Garner as his defensive line coach, obviously I think that would check those two boxes pretty uh, pretty strongly. But um, some of those you know, some of those defensive positions may be determined by who they hire as a defensive coordinator, which obviously they haven't hired a defensive coordinator yet. So, uh, And we should mention um, that they've also made a lot of uh, support staff recruiting department type hires. Yes, yes. Um, and, and some of those 
some of those hires have been, I think, pretty strong when you're pulling guys from Missouri, like uh, Jake Bresky and then Trey Johnson from USC. A couple of these guys, too, if you want to throw in uh, Brandon Lawson, who was UCF's director of player personnel, have some ties to Tennessee and have worked in uh, recruiting departments in Knoxville in the past under previous coaches. So uh, they have a sort of familiarity with what to sell at Tennessee in the area um, and, and some of the things that, that you can maybe – uh, used to make your program more appealing, which uh, Tennessee needs whatever they can to to do that right now. Yeah, and there's a lot that we need to talk about with that because I think there's um, uh, there's a lot of hand wringing right now among the fan base, uh, and, and there's there's a lot of people who don't understand why Tennessee's having such a hard time uh, making some of these hires. And, and while I think the the truth is not pleasant, I don't know that it's quite as bad. Uh, as some people think it is, but but I do think it's definitely worse than some people think it is. So uh, I, I think the fair thing to do is to just have a good, honest discussion about that. So what we're going to do is we're going to step away, pay some bills, uh, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, other fun things, and we're going to come back and we're going to discuss that on the second segment of this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. During that commercial break, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from an undisclosed location here on a Thursday, late afternoon, early evening, depending on your definition of that. Uh, I know that uh, sometimes that can be confusing because there are some people on our staff, and, and I won't say who they are, but their names rhyme with Grant Ramey, who believe that 11 a.m. is not technically morning, even though... It's actually technically 100% in the morning, but, uh, you know, I digress. Guys, before we go back into Tennessee football, there's a lot that we need to discuss about this, some good, honest, frank, uh, perhaps at times uncomfortable conversations that we need to have, uh, and we're going to do that. But before we do that, quick reminder, please go take a minute out of your time right now. Please subscribe to this podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Please rate and review this podcast. Uh, We do this for free, and we are happy to do it, uh, and we only ask one thing in return. Please, please, please go there and hit that subscribe button. Please rate and interview this podcast. There's nothing you can do that will help us more than that. That helps the algorithms. That, that helps even more people see this podcast. And we can keep it growing at what's already been a really kind of ridiculous rate. So please keep doing that. That helps us quite a bit, whether you're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher. Anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Please go in there and check that out. Pat, going back to, to football and, and these, these staff hires Tennessee is trying to make, I think some people are wondering why Tennessee is having such a hard time uh, 
finding a defensive coordinator, uh, you know, especially one that people will say, hey, I'm excited about that hire. Tennessee's reputation right now in the coaching industry is not good. And and this goes because people know that Tennessee is perhaps facing some NCAA, well, definitely facing some sort of NCAA penalties down the road. How how bad will they be? I don't know. Uh, I, I think they'll be somewhere. Uh, they'll, they'll be worse than than nothing, and it'll be, um, you know, not quite as bad as absolutely crippling. It'll be probably somewhere in between those two polar opposites. There will be some punishment. We'll see how much it is, and that certainly is a factor. But you also have to look if you are a coach, you are trying to everything you do right, is about either your pride as a coach uh, or the security of your family. Those are like the two things, if you're a coach, that really kind of push you. It's either trying to – the race to become a head coach, which most of these guys would like to be at some point. Not all of them, but most of them. And there is the whole security for my family thing. And right now, if you look at the reputations of people who came to Tennessee – what their reputation was when they got to Tennessee, and what their reputation was when they left Tennessee. It's not great. It's, it's really not. Now, some people have gone on and had success after they left Tennessee. That um, They've gone on and taken you know, steps in their career, or even if they had to maybe take one step a little bit lateral or backward, then eventually they've gone forward. Some assistants who have been, become coordinators, people have gone on to do good things. But if you're right now, if you've got a pretty good job and you're looking at just sort of the recent history of what's going on in Knoxville, guys, I think you need to understand and appreciate why Tennessee is having a hard time finding people right now. Because there is no source. There is no – these guys, before they take a job, of course they want to know who they're going to work for and they want to know what the situation is there. But beyond that, what's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to go call other coaches in the business, people who have been at Tennessee – people who have been at other SEC programs and know the Tennessee program. And what they're going to hear is not great right now. It's not great right now. It's, it's, it's not a good situation. Now, that doesn't mean, Pat, that it can't get better. But right now, it's not easy to get somebody. I mean, you could, I mean some of these guys are position coaches at other places who have gotten opportunities to go be the defensive coordinator at one of the 10 winningest programs in college football history. Naturally, you would think, well, even if they're in a down cycle, that's a hell of a raise. That's a hell of a step forward. I don't think some guys are seeing it that way right now. Well, I, I don't – clearly it's not because they just went after Al Washington and get, offered him, what, like something like $1.5 million a year to yeah. be the defensive coordinator and, and in, in a state with, to... In a state with no income tax with, you know. Well, we don't, you know, I don't, we don't need to get into a tax no, but, but, discussion. No, but, no, but I'm just saying in a state with no, with no personal income tax. So you're, you know how I feel about taxes, Wes. Oh, I know. I know. But what I'm saying um, is, what I'm saying is you're, you're, you only have, you don't have state income taxes in Tennessee. So what you make, uh, if you spend wisely is even more than that. Yeah. But I mean, it clearly for Al Washington, it was about the money. Cause if it was about the money. He'd be Tennessee's defense coordinator. Right. I mean, cause he, you know, Tennessee yep. offered to triple his salary and clearly, uh, showed a belief in him and, uh, I don't. I don't put some of the struggles on on finding coaches on necessarily on Josh Heupel or, or even Danny White, who's who's been involved in correct and with Heupel and trying to help him. Um, but you know, it's just like you said. It's it's you know this program is it's it's been a struggle here for a long time. And, and you look at the situation it's now. It's um, it's sort of a weird time of the year, right? I mean, we're talking. It's it's mid February. Yeah. Um, you know, Heupel was hired. 
at the end of January, you know, it's not the same as, uh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt getting hired on what a Thursday afternoon and having to have seven assistant coaches in town the next day because they're hosting recruits, you know, it's, it's, it's not the same situation. So, um, and, and Tennessee's not going to announce its staff until it's complete. So, um, and, and that's been standard sort of operating procedure at other places, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's easy for, for another coach, if you're in a good situation to look at this program and say, if I'm trying to advance my career and if you're a position coach, you want to be, uh, and if you have aspirations of becoming a head coach, the next step is to be a coordinator. Yep. Uh, if you're at a smaller program, the next step is to get, you know, come coach in the SEC and cut your teeth there. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, there's been a lot of coaches that have been on sort of an upward trajectory when they've gotten to Tennessee and then when they've left, their career has not been, you know, it's kind of stalled out. I mean, yeah. um, you know, their, their stocks have not been as high at the end of their Tennessee tenure as, as it was at the start. Um, and so you're kind of having to battle that and you're having to battle the fact that um, this, this program might not, you know, this team might not be very good for the foreseeable future. I mean, you've had a talent drain with a lot of guys leaving. Um, you're coming off a three win season. You're, you have to go up against Florida, Georgia, and Alabama every year. You have to recruit against those teams. You have to recruit against, LSU and Texas A&M and Auburn and um, you know you have all these you know it's a difficult job and I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is that this is a lot tougher job than um, in some respects than than many people I think know just because uh, you have uh, you know sure there's a lot of recruiting there's a lot of talent within a three hour radius around Knoxville but you also have a ton of competition to, to get those those players right yeah. um, you know even in your own state you have a lot of players that whose families aren't aren't from Tennessee. They didn't grow up bleeding orange. They didn't grow up, you know, you know, for a lot of, for a lot of guys in this state, in terms of prospects, you know, Tennessee's not been good. So it's not, you know, they weren't the thing, you know what I mean? Like back in the nineties for, you know, maybe when growing up when closer, when I was growing up, Tennessee football was such a big deal because they were so good. They've been kind of down for a lot of the time that uh, most of the high school kids now have been alive. So they don't view it as the same appeal as it was 20 years ago. So, uh, there's that there's obviously, you know, Atlanta, you're recruiting against everybody there. You're recruiting against everybody in North Carolina. Obviously North Carolina has improved as a program as well. Yep. Um, Clemson has made things harder in South Carolina, you know, so on and so forth that, you know, there's a lot of challenges to this job that, um, you know, yeah, you look at the history, you look at the tradition, you look at the potential, uh, but the, the path to getting and tapping into that potential and sort of recovering some of that history is, is very arduous. Um, and if you're a coach that's in a good situation like now Washington, where you're coaching it, uh, you're set up to be a playoff contender every year. You've got, you know, you're the number one recruiter in the 22, uh, in the 2022 24-7 sports recruiter rankings right now because you've got four four-star guys. Three of them are linebackers. You're about to put two or three linebackers in the NFL. Your stock's only going up if you're out Washington right now. Yep. Um, why would you leave a comfortable situation? Um, at Ohio State with a guy you know and and a, you know you got plenty of job security there and take a risk. You know. Some for some guys, like I said, like I've said on previous podcasts, there, there's kind of sort of three types of coaches that are gonna uh, that are gonna look at Tennessee a certain way. Some of these some coaches are gonna immediately be like, nope, no thanks, I like yep. where I'm at, pass, hard pass. Uh, you'll have coaches that will, you know, maybe be hesitant at first, but then if the money's right, uh, or if the situation's right, or if they, you know, if you're if you're trying to be a coordinator and you and you're told you can bring this guy for this much and all that stuff, if 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 the uh, if the details and logistics are right, then you'll join it. You'll want to, you'll want to do it. And then, and then there's going to be coaches that uh, are going to be looking that are going to be confident in themselves and say, I can go coach Tennessee. Cause that's a great program with a lot of potential. Um, 
And, and, you know, I don't know if we're going to, you know, are we going to talk about Jerry Mack here? I think we need to talk about the new running backs coach. Um, he's probably a guy that looks at that. This program has a big step up for him. Cause from, from where Pat, from where, where's he uh, from? he's from rice. No, no, no. But where is he from? He is from Memphis. There you go. Um, there you go. So anytime you can hire a Memphian is always a good decision, right? There you go. Boom. Um, and so, uh, and you know, for, for a lot of times you, you know, when you, when you're looking up coaches and you're looking up their bios, you're wondering, okay, how, how, if their offensive coordinator, how do their offense do, how their defense do rice. I mean, it's probably not fair to hold anything that rice does against Jerry Mack. Um, he did a really good job at North Carolina central. Yeah. Which was, he was, he was a good coach. He was a good head coach. Uh, there. A pretty good FCS program. I think they won or outright or shared three MEAC titles, uh, mm-hmm. there and, and, um, and put up a lot of points in some of those places. And, and maybe he's got some North Carolina, connections that can help you in recruiting so uh if you get him to you know if he pays off with your recruiting in memphis where he's from and and in north carolina where he's coached then uh those are two areas that can help you so uh and much like hypo he wanted to be here yes. <laughs> which it yes. kind of gets back circling back to what our discussion was um you know some coaches are going to look at this as a big opportunity and some coaches are going to look at this as uh sort of a graveyard um and that's going to uh, either keep them away entirely or it's going to make them stay where they're at if they're in with anything resembling a comfortable situation, which I think uh, certainly you can make the case how Washington is. You know, will he get more – will he get to call the defense for Ohio State next season? Probably not. But, um, you know, at some point maybe he gets that opportunity there and and, uh, and and will have a better situation than maybe what he would be stepping into here where if you're Tennessee, you're losing, what, your two best pass rushers, potentially your, your two starting linebackers, your best defensive back, so on and so forth, uh, and, and have a pretty pretty big uphill climb to to getting back up to respectability in the SEC. Yeah, and I think that that that's one of the reasons. And again, not not to not to go back and try to you know revise history. That's not what I'm doing here. But but I I, I need to mention this. I think that one of the reasons why I for a while uh, up until almost the end was saying, you know what, if I'm Tennessee, I probably keep Pruitt. And the reason why I thought Tennessee would end up doing it um, until the the investigation apparently just uh, unveiled, you know, everything short of Grand Theft Auto Knoxville, you know, at that point. I mean, you know, we'll see what what it entails. But but one of the reasons I I kept saying that it it was not even about the present tense for the program. It was about the future because Tennessee needed to stop being this sort of revolving door where no one can come in and really sort of establish themselves for a while. Um, because in addition to the, the all the havoc that puts on your roster and everything like that, it also just creates a sense in the coaching community that if I go there, will they have my back? Will the people there, will I get support? And whether it's right or wrong, there are a lot of people who think that there are people inside the, ten- the athletic department at Tennessee who completely turned on Jeremy Pruitt. And, and whether you agree or disagree with what Pruitt did or didn't do, uh, the fact is there is talk out there in the in the industry among coaches about, you know, I saw how things went down toward the end with Butch there and how nasty that got. I saw how nasty things were, um, you know, with Dooley and those guys. I saw how nasty things got at the end with Pruitt. And, you know what, if I go there, it's going to take time to win and will the people there support us as we go through that? And their belief, more often than not, is no, they they won't. And that gets back to this whole toxic thing that I've talked about, which people hate hearing it, but you need to hear it. You need to understand 
You know, I, actually, no, I, I'll, let me rephrase that. You understand whatever you want to understand. I'm not going to tell you what you need to do. What I would hope you would do is understand why Tennessee has the reputation it has right now among coaches out there in the community. There are some, like Pat said, who will be they, – they will have so much confidence, they will have so much belief in their ability and the upside of the Tennessee program – that they will take the challenge head on, no matter what. And they'll be like, you know what? You can win there. I don't care what's happened in the past. By God, that's Tennessee. You can win there. I'm a good enough coach. Let's go make it happen. And those are the kinds of people that you need. You need those people. You need people with that kind of attitude. But there are others in the business who just do not believe they will get support at Tennessee right now. And until that changes, I don't think you'll see a difference in the opinion of coaches, right? Like winning settles everything down. But Tennessee's in a place now where it's going to have to work really, really hard and get some breaks to win any time in the next, any time in the near future. Like long-term potential, Tennessee. I think eventually the programs will get sorted out because there's too much money, too much tradition. Nothing as powerful traditionally as the Tennessee program just dies forever. It's not going to be horrible forever. But in the here and now. Pat, they've got some they got some work to do, man. And I think coaches know that it's it's a hard process. And I don't know that, that coaches believe they're gonna get the support they need to do that. Well, I mean, like like we've been saying, if you're if you're in a, a coach that's in a good situation, you're gonna look at Tennessee and you're gonna say, Well, they kind of turned themselves in, right? Yeah. <laughs> like somebody blew the whistle on what they were doing. Um and then the administration took it and used it as a reason to not pay what thirteen million dollars in a buyout or try to. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't know if Tennessee would be having issues if they had even with an NCAA investigation had they not just fired Jeremy Pruitt on December twentieth, paid the buyout, and tried to hire a coach then. You know what I mean? So, yep. um, you know, they were they were late to the cycle by sort of dragging it out, and um, and in some cases, you know, probably in some areas they that was being viewed as sort of cutting the knees out from under Pruitt because he obviously was still trying to work as if he was going to be here. Uh, which, Inclu- including you know, including his, up to the morning he was given the letter. That's that's up to, his, you know, that's his job. That's what he was supposed to be doing. So, um, and, and then you, you know, the weird deal with Kevin Steele, you know, that the whole situation has been odd. I don't, I don't know what, what all led to that, what the, what the thinking was there. Um, he's not going to be Tennessee's defensive coordinator barring something, uh, you know, and completely I th- unexpected. I think there's a fair discussion to be had there about why that's the case because he does have a pretty good resume as a wow, defensive coordinator, just, and it doesn't. You know, I mean, I, I think there's. I, I I understand why people on the outside keep asking that question because on the face, on the surface, it's a fair question. Well, and the easiest answer is that Josh Heupel doesn't appear to want to hire him. <laughs> He's the head coach. There you go. I don't know why. You know, I. I've never really understood why coaches retain old guys. I've never, that would not be, it doesn't seem very practical. And and a couple of times it's happened at Tennessee, the guy then turned around and left with Robert Gillespie uh, from the, from the transition from, from Butch Jones to Jeremy Pruitt. And then uh, Jay Graham, the first time around when he was retained by Butch Jones and then left to go to Florida state. Um, So, you know, that, that was, um, yeah, I mean, and and I don't I don't know that Steele is what Heupel is looking for um, as a defensive coordinator anyway. But well, and there were issues uh, there were issues when when with Steele and Malzahn that they had together that you know some people at Auburn wonder if, if there was a bit of a former major situation there. There there are rumblings there that that fair or not are out there, and that also could be a factor for all I know. 
but yeah, I mean, you, 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 yeah, I mean, the, the whole situation with Tennessee, I mean, it's been kind of a mess, right? I mean, just the way it was handled. Um, and, and, you know, from the counterpoint to that is if you're Tennessee and, and you really uncovered some bad stuff, you know, you uncovered some pretty bad cheating, right? Yeah. Um, you have to run the risk of sort of to- torpedoing yourself for fear of not getting torpedoed worse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if Jeremy Pruitt was seven and three instead of three and seven, I, you know, I think I definitely think things would play out differently. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. And we're not trying to make Pruitt out to be some sort of martyr or correct uh, hard luck situation here. Cause he didn't do himself any favors with some of the people on campus. Um, but, or he didn't do himself any favors by winning three games this season. So yeah. uh, that is, um, you know, it, it, it's just a tough situation. I mean, you look at this roster, this roster's lost all, you know, gone down it before right top two running backs multiple starters on the offensive line both your left tackles are gone uh you're losing your best wide receiver you're losing so on and so forth we don't need to rehash all that but it's not a advantageous situation for you to come in and and you know you're gonna have maybe some hard years now you know who knows the schedule's not too brutal next season necessarily but and, and do you think um, you'll be supported through all of that yeah and and you know it's and this is not just this is not just this situation, right? This has been, you know, Josh Heupel and Danny White are dealing with uh, more than a decade of sort of, um, I don't say circus. This program being a circus, but I'll I mean, use it's that. kind of a national punchline. I'll, I'll use that sure. word. It's it's been it's the big orange circus, the BOC. It's absolutely a circus. I mean, so, you don't have to use um, that word. I will though. That's what that's what they're dealing with. But that doesn't mean you can't hire good coaches, right? I mean, you can still go get good coaches if you're Josh Heupel. You're going to bring your guys from. Uh, from UCF who know your offense, know how to coach it, know how to, you know, implement the schemes that you want to. You're familiar with them. You trust them. Uh, you bring in a guy like Cody Burns, who was at Auburn, who's recruited in the SEC, who's recruited well, recruited some really good players, developed yeah. some good players at wide receiver there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you bring in a guy in, in Mac who uh, has a head coach, has got a little bit of experience on him, and, and maybe that can help to, uh, you know, in his situation, you know, head coach is always, you know, if you can get a former head coach on your staff, that seems like something that a lot of them like to do. Um, so you can go and get high, good, good coaches. I mean, uh, Tennessee ends up with Casey Rogers, the defensive line coach as their defensive coordinator. I would say that's pretty higher. I mean, yeah, the guy's been in the NFL for a long time. Really, knows that'd football. Be, a, be a really good hire. Um, I think he would, you know, he, he knows Tennessee. He's, you know, he played here. Uh, it would mean a lot to him. I think if he took the job, I mean, if you can get Rodney Garner, that would be, you know, if you can get him out of this, that would be pretty good. Um, and we'll kind of see how the rest of the staff ends up, but you can still get good people and you can still get people that want to be here and people that are going to grind and to put in the work that needs to be done to get this program, um, back on, uh, a better footing. Um, and, and something we also discussed as, as, um, and I mentioned this on a board, uh, I think Tennessee needs, and this is sort of a different discussion. We don't need to go crazy into it, but I think Tennessee needs coaches on, on, and coordinators that are schemers, right? Because you're not gonna you're not gonna out athlete Georgia, Florida, and Alabama every year. Nope not not so, for not for the foreseeable future. You're not no no you're you're not gonna out recruit those guys. So you got to find a way to kind of pull the wool over their eyes, so to speak. You got to be able to um, scheme some things up. And uh, with, with the way that Josh Heupel's offenses have played, there's going to be some of that with Tennessee. It's going to be I don't say smoke and mirrors, but the way they're going to play is going to stretch defenses who aren't used to seeing it. Right when you're going 85 plays a game with wide splits with your wide receivers um, spread out, you know, the way that they're going to play on offense is going to be difficult for some defenses to, to prepare for and to face and to adjust to. Can they find somebody that can do that on the defensive side of the ball? Can they find somebody that 
um, that just is, is a really good play caller that uh, knows how to call the right scheme and the right blitz and the right pressure and the right coverage at the right time because uh, – and can they get those guys around that coordinator that can uh, prepare these players to play that way every Saturday and to execute at a high level because uh, that's what Tennessee's been missing. And that's what they, you know, that's what they need. They're not going to have better players than some of the best teams they're going to face. They're going to have better players than a lot of teams if they can recruit at even a top 15 level nationally, which um, no matter who's the coach Tennessee normally can do. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's, it's, it doesn't take a whole lot of effort to be in the top 15 to 20 range. Um, I think there's enough talent, like we mentioned around you, um, that you can do that now. As I mentioned, if you're in the top 15, top 20, you're going to be what seventh or eighth in the SEC. That's yep. the challenge, right? Yep. Um, you're never going to probably ever have a higher recruiting ranking than Alabama, Georgia, LSU, A&M, Florida. All those teams have uh, have more recent success and have better recruiting uh, areas around them, uh, and probably Auburn too. Uh, we'll see how that staff recruits down there now. But um, they they need they need coaches on each side that can sort of you know outcoach people, right? I mean, when was the last time we saw that um, at Tennessee? You know what I mean? So um, they need some guys there, who can scheme some things there, up. There were times there in Pruitt's tenure in that second year where I think – Who they, do they beat that they weren't talented, that they weren't more no, talented? No, 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 no. But, I mean, like, there were times, like, even when they lost to Georgia and other people where I thought, you know what, Tennessee's scheme in this game was better. They just got out-athleted. I mean, that – That's true. But and what I think, Pat, really quick on that is – is I, my answer to that is quick because you're right, we don't need to go off the script here. But I, I think that – it's going to be really hard to find people who are both just outrageously good recruiters and outrageously good schematic football coaches. If you want to get a combination, uh, if you want to get all those in one package, you're going to have a hard time getting those kind of guys to, to Tennessee right now because there aren't a ton of those guys. What you can do, though, is put together a staff of guys who are one or the other. You can go out and get some guys who are some unbelievable recruiters and you can go out and get some guys who may be just adequate at best recruiters or even substandard recruiters, but they're just fundamentally fantastic football coaches. You can probably put a staff together of guys who are one or the other. I don't know that you can get both right now, but it's kind of like if you're a mid-major basketball team putting together a roster. Like, you can get a guy who's a great shooter, but he's not going to be 6'10". You know, you can get a guy who's really, really fast or really, really athletic. He's not going to be 6'5". You know, you're going to have to you're going to have to put together, you know, you can get a guy who's maybe a great shooter, but he's slow. I mean, you're going to have to put together a staff the way that a smaller school would put together like a roster. You got to find guys who maybe can do one thing or two things really, really, really well. Uh, And you're going to have to live with that. The fact that they may not be as great in other areas and you got to use those coaches to stabilize your program and then go out and get the, 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 the big time guys later on. That's just a thought off the top of my head it's good thoughts Wes wow I don't have anything to add mark, that, mark was, it uh, down. that was really good mark it down we agreed Pat before we step out of here though we do need to mention this um and I hate ending on this so maybe I'll try to throw something positive out at the very very end um but there has been a, a report out there and there, there's been a lot of our 24-7 crystal ball picks that are coming in for Henry Toto to go to the one place Tennessee fans absolutely positively do not want him to go and that is to uh, the University of Robots in Tuscaloosa, down to Alabama. It's not a done deal, Pat, but it certainly looks like um, Hank T. and his family are are listening pretty heavily to the tide right now. Well, um, credit to Hank South at Ben yep. Online for yep. getting Henry uh, Henry's father um, on the phone. Um, 
and getting some comments from the most, I don't want to say damning of them, but the one that's like, okay, um, is when he said that uh, one thing, this is a direct quote, uh, all the other SEC schools reached out to him too, but one thing that we talked about was that we chose Tennessee the first time when we should have came to Alabama, so let's not make this mistake twice. Well, that's just laying it out there, isn't it, Wes? Oh, oh, I mean, that is like, any punches. Th- that is putting that is like putting the neck right there underneath the guillotine and letting go <laughs> of the cord. That, that uh, is that is rough, man. That is uh, oof. That is rough. Tennessee fans don't want to hear this, but I can appreciate the honesty, I guess. Um, uh, and so I, I, you know, again, I don't know if Henry feels that way. I think Henry would probably view his time at Tennessee a little bit differently. Um, uh, and, and I, like and said, you, I don't hope, know you hope that it's all Henry's decision. You just hope that it is. And and no matter no matter what the decision is, even if it's Alabama, I hope that it's actually what Henry wants to do. So, um, and, and again, it's it's not a done deal that that uh, that he'll go to Alabama. I think he wants to, but um, there's a couple of hurdles there transfer wise. If you're Henry Toa Toa, you're you're probably thinking you're one season away from going to the NFL, right? Whether that's Tennessee, whether that's uh, Alabama, whether that's, you know, they make a, a sort of a um, other contingency. Maybe they go to Oregon where you can enroll and still go through spring practice in March or whatever. Which is why I um, which is why I wouldn't have made the decision to transfer unless I was going back home or closer to home. That's the one thing. I mean, you're you're one year away. What are you what are you doing? And the question is, is the one time transfer exception keeps sort of getting kicked down. They keep the NCAA keeps kicking the can down the road. It was supposed to be in January, and I think it's supposed to be in April. As a player, can you wait long? Can you wait that long to find out? And that's the question. And then, on top of you know, if he's if he is going to go to Alabama, um, there's the SEC rules that are also, excuse me, in play here, where the SEC is going to have to see determine if they're going to be on board with that and improve that within their own uh, for for transfers that go within the conference, as we saw with Cade Mace, right? Um, so in which I never blame Georgia for. I blame the NCAA and the SEC for that because they're the one with the well, stupid rules. I didn't blame Georgia for looking out for its own interests, just like I wouldn't blame Tennessee for looking out for its own interests in that situation, even though I wouldn't like it personally. Uh, I, I'm i not going to be inconsistent on that. I, I believe you should be able to transfer wherever you damn well please one time. But, you know, if the rules are what they are, then why would you directly try to help a, one of your biggest competitors? Well, that that's the question with, with the SEC is, and, we, and we've discussed this before, if the NCAA approves it, and the assumption has always been that it will at some point, again, you don't know when that's going to be, is how is the SEC going to react? And there's kind of two schools of thought of it for me. Uh, one, if you're the SEC, you, you don't want to lose your players to rivals. You don't want guys jumping ship from yeah. – uh, to Georgia and Alabama, you know, you, you don't want them to start playing well for you and then decide, hey, I can go play for Nick Saban and get, you know, be even a better draft pick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if they've got a spot for me, if I can pull it off. So, um, but the other hand is if you're the SEC, you don't want to be at a, a competitive disadvantage where you're losing players to other conferences, right? Because if guys, the first, you know, if they want to leave, they can go to the ACC or to the, um, you know, elsewhere, go to Oklahoma <laughs> uh, for, you know, everyone else has right away. So and and really Tennessee's only lot they've had a lot of transfers but uh, they haven't had any go to the SEC right I mean I think Jameer Johnson's the only yeah um, the only one he's committed to Texas A and M um, he's a grad he's going to be a grad transfer so his the transfer rules really aren't aren't really um, there's no really question about his eligibility unless he somehow doesn't graduate but yeah there have been um, guys leave Tennessee for JUCO and then come to the SEC but there's no rule against that 
Yeah, I mean that that's you know, and, and that you're probably gonna even see less of that now just because uh, of the one-time transfer rule and the transfer portal, right? It's just it's so much easier now to go in the portal, get contacted by several Power Five programs, and then uh, you sort of have your pick of the litter. But uh, there's gonna be a lot of guys in the portal that don't that don't they don't end up with any homes, right? Because there's only so many roster spots around. Um, that hasn't been the case for really many Tennessee's guys just yet. There's still a few in there. Um, and we should mention that Quaveris Crouch, I believe he's, I mean, we've mentioned this. I, I think he's back working out with the team. He's never left Knoxville. Yeah. Uh, Toto has been out uh, in California. I think he's enrolled at Tennessee and taking classes virtually. But he's not been in Knoxville. Correct. Um, and, and if he wants to go to Alabama, I would think he would want to try to pull that off to where he could, um, you know, be there for spring practice. I don't, I don't know if that's feasible now. Also, also make sure none of your stuff is still in storage in Knoxville, Tennessee. If you, if you're going to go to Alabama, make, <laughs> make sure all of your stuff is already back home in California. Just don't run that risk. Just uh, make sure you don't have to come back to Knoxville. Yeah, but there was never this much angst when Brandon Kennedy came from Alabama to Tennessee, right? So what's why? Why are we giving Henry Toto so much grief? Because it's I mean, because, it's the because, same concept. Toto is just trying to watch out for himself. He's not, you know, the the, the head coach and, and and position coach and guy that recruited him aren't here anymore. It's the same rule. It's it's why why did Tennessee? Why did Alabama used to get, you know, or why did Tennessee used to get under Alabama skin so much? Because Tennessee had won what nine ten in a row. Now it's the other way around. Now Alabama's yeah, like, okay, Kennedy, you want to go there? Okay, I mean, it's not cool, but I mean, whatever, man. But the other way, it's like, oh, you bastard. Well, it's it's it's. I mean, Alabama and Tennessee aren't even hard to play in the same sport right now, Wes. I mean, I, I two know, different but universes. Alabama's in their own universe compared to everybody else, just about. So, do, do we live in the same um, metropolitan area? Do we know the same people? Do you do you know how this is going to turn? <laughs> do we have different ideas about how the reaction to that's going to go? I mean, I I get why people are mad, but it's like you know, you know, nobody, no, you know, when when Tennessee got Brandon Kennedy from Alabama, it was like it didn't even matter that he was from Alabama, um, you know. So I, I I get why that would be the one place if you're Tennessee, you don't want him to go. At the same time, though, you might only have to face him one time if he's going to go pro after the season, right? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, and I hate you know what I I realize that that's just a horrible thing to end on. I'm trying to think of one positive thing well, to say before we leave. Like my mom got the COVID vaccine. That's kind of cool. Like I'm happy for her. Like you got any like good news of, about anything right now? I'd rather well, end on a piece of good I, news. I did have one final point. I think some of the angst too, getting back to these comments from Henry's father, are from the comments. Right, the fact that he just came out bluntly said we shouldn't have gone to Tennessee. Um, if Henry had come out and been like, you know, if, if Henry had been talking to Hank and been really diplomatic and said, you know, I really love my time in Tennessee. I still have friends on the team that I talk to. I hate that it worked out this way, but I need to do this for my future. Blah, 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 blah. I think people will feel differently about it. Right. Probably. Context matters. Doesn't it, Wes? Yeah. Going out and saying, by the way, you guys sucked. That was a horrible <laughs> idea. Yeah. I mean, why are you, you know, you, sh- you shouldn't even be in the SEC anymore. You know what? Tennessee shouldn't even be a state right now. That's how, that's how uh, bad that decision was. Kind of, you know, it's like ripping a fart while you leave before you leave the room. Yeah, right? it's, That's, yeah, it's, you're it, gonna it, be. It's a crop dust. It's a, it's a, cro- it's a crop dust. It, basically, what his dad did was get in the elevator at the Neil Thompson Sports Center and just one dropped, fly. and then just just completely dropped a just dropped a chili bomb and then left. <laughs> that that's that's what that was, and which is, so, which is unfortunate because this place, like universally, your son was universally beloved here. Like not yeah. the most, not the greatest PR strategy there, pops. Like everybody, I, I've never heard anyone say a single bad word about that kid. Like I've never heard anyone say a bad word about that kid. I just haven't. Like it's how could you say anything bad about that kid? He's like the nicest kid 
on the planet. Yeah, and I thought Henry always handled himself with class when he was here. So, um, you know, it's disappointing that that this kind of has come to this, but uh, hopefully, and, and I get, like I said, I'm not saying why, I'm not saying Tennessee fans should be mad, um, but. Maybe after the comments, they can be a little bit mad. Yeah, I agree with you there. Maybe a little bit, Pat. You were gonna, you were gonna say, did you have a, a piece of good news to go out on? Um, yeah, I have, I have, I got kids now. That's there you go, cool, right? Yeah, Pat's kids, John Doe and Wando, are doing great, <laughs> and my mom got the COVID vaccine, so I'm happy about that. And we can, uh, we can leave it there. That's oh, and Keon Johnson just dunked on the entire state of Georgia again, by the way. So there you go. We'll, we'll that end kid on. is legit. Man. Yeah, man, that that he the way he can change his flight plan midair is just. I mean, the, the dunk he had at Rupp, um, and I watched one today, at, uh, went back and watched the one at Florida that he threw down, and I did not realize it until I rewatched it today that he jumped off his right foot to do it. And I've heard, you know, on the previous two, two pods ago, I think, when we had Rob Doster from Field of 68 on with us, and he talked about how one time in an AAU game he saw, uh, he saw Keon Johnson throw down a right-handed tomahawk off of his right foot on top of two guys, and he went, how the hell did that happen? So, I mean, the kid can do this. He can jump off one foot. He can jump left foot, right foot, either. I mean, he's just – he's an unbelievable athlete. He's amphibious. He he's is. Ambidextrous. He's amphibious. We'll call it he, – he, uh, he's an amphibious assault vehicle. That's what he is. Uh, athletically, he will fit right in in the NBA, um, which is where he's going to be next season. So, Tennessee fans, enjoy him for the next few weeks. Yeah, and Jaden Springer, That's too. my advice. That's my big advice for this uh, podcast. Yeah, if you think – when you watch Jaden Springer and what he does, if you think there are 38 or 39 better – college basketball players than him right now, you are absolutely out of your mind. I don't know exactly where he fits in positionally at the next level, what he does, but this is positionless basketball anyway. I mean, what he can do scoring from all three levels at 6'4", uh, and he's doing this on one leg right now because he's got a bad ankle, he, he's going to be just fine. Enjoy him if too. You, if, if you're getting angsty about Tennessee's football coaching search searches, uh, just just think about – just go, go back and watch Keon highlights and, and Springer highlights. There you go. Uh, and also go read what I, I did a recap of all of Josh Heupel's amazing quarterbacks, too. It's on the site this afternoon. There you go. Uh, he's got some pretty – that's a good uh, tease there. Look at that. A plug. That, what do we call that? Yeah, well, we'll call it a plug. And that's like five super – Shameless plug. That's like five super positive things we just ended on there. So yeah, you thought, how, yeah. how are we going to pull it out? This thing was a smoldering heap, and here we are emerging from the rubble. We're holding, we're holding the babies. We're running out. Everybody's healthy. You know, we can rebuild. We will rebuild. We'll have another day. There you go. See? Good, good we're stuff. Saying, he, he, we're, gonna, we're, we're thinking Heifel's going to bring out Tennessee's Sam Bradford and Landry Jones and Trevor Knight and uh, there you go. Kinsey Milton. And he even did some good, you know, Drew Locke. Uh, yeah. Dylan Gabriel's done pretty good. There so. you go. And Tennessee basketball doesn't have a defensive coordinator. And last I checked, it's still ranked number one nationally in defense. So who even needs it? Do you even uh, I would do like you, to I would like to announce pro? that if Tennessee will have me, I will be their defense coordinator. I pulled my name out of the search yesterday, so I will not be there. But you don't have to pay me one point five million, but I would I would like a um what would I like? Pay me half that, like, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> give me a give me a give me a car. Give me a car. I'll take a car and a good parking spot. There you go. For John Doe and Wanda, you need a bigger car. There you go. Perfect. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, Pat. Yep. And you know what, guys? If I can find the button, where is it? Where is it? This is always so professional. There it is. Thank y'all for listening. 
as always, we really appreciate it. Uh, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. If you want Just Tennessee News, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govols247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govols247, which isn't all vols all the time, but is mostly uh, either vols or things that we think Tennessee fans would be interested in. And that page is updated pretty much every hour, at least once throughout the entire day. Or if you want just that most delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring water, just right from the tap, that Smoky Mountain deliciousness, Ronnie Millsap style. Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internet to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, baseball, those guys, top 20 going into the season, four preseason All-Americans, tons of good stuff there. Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius, all of that stuff. Plus two forums, uh, the Checkerboard and the Summit, uh, for round-the-clock discussion uh, of anything you want to talk about. Tennessee football, uh, you know, basketball, baseball, uh, SEC stuff, college stuff. You even want to talk about non-sports. As long as it's not politics or religion, you can go there and talk about that anytime you want. And that's usually throughout the course of the 24-hour day. Just about one of us is there all the time. And you can get all of that for the low, low price of less than one freaking mediocre lunch per month. And if you hurry right now, you can get two months, your first two months of VIP access for only $1. What? $1, Bob. $1, Bob, for two months. And if you already pay us full price uh, for our subscription, which is still less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity as long as you're a free pull, as long as you're a full paying member for us. You get free access to CBS All Access, which is getting ready to be Paramount Plus, but it's basically even better than CBS All Access was. And that is a plus, that is a 100 plus dollar annual value in your pocket every year for nothing. That's like us on every January 1st, just mailing you a check for 100 to $110. That's it. That's every show CBS has ever made commercial free. Every, uh, the new movies, every single month, you get live sports. So you get Tennessee sports, SEC sports, falls basketball, falls football, uh, NCAA tournament, obviously March Madness. You get NFL stuff. You get UEFA Champions League. You get UEFA Europa League. You get PGA Tour. You also get stuff to the catalogs uh, of uh, Smithsonian, uh, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, and Comedy Central. Plus, when it becomes Paramount Plus, you'll get all the stuff from the Paramount Networks, all the Yellowstones, all that good stuff. Boom. All of it is going to be there, plus some exclusive shows. That's $100 plus in your pocket for free. There's no reason to not do it, guys. GoVols247.com. Go check it out. Uh, if nothing else, you should hear from us on Monday, maybe earlier than that, if Tennessee will finally hire a freaking defensive coordinator. But uh, at the very least, you'll hear from us Monday. So until then, wash your freaking hands, wear your freaking masks, be freaking nice to each other. We're almost through this, guys. We're almost through it. Just, just a few more months. We can do it. See you. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.